On this episode of the podcast, I tell the guys about the poor managerial decisions that took the Nets from ABA glory to NBA tragedy. That's how they ended up in New Jersey. Mm, it is. Up, and then broke. That's always a tragedy. I mean, aren't the Nets just glory to tragedy constantly? And that's <laughs> why we love them. So go ahead and recline that sofa, loosen that tie. This is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan, joined by Josh Sweezy, Nathaniel Westover, and the one and only Andy Parthree Spazzato. <laughs> I suck at golf, dude. dude I'm he so couldn't mad. birdie if he tried. <laughs> Just a bogey. An albatross could fly into his heart. <laughs> His still couldn't birdie. Can fl- no, it- <laughs> no, going to he can fly, pick up my ball, and then drop Holy it in the water. Days. I'm so Everything- bad. I think I've lost the plot. I think I missed here? the nickname purpose. Uh-huh. With that said, let's just get into it, right? This week, we are talking NBA and a little bit of the ABA. Which stands for? American Basketball Association. Mm. It's the basketball association that Uncle Sam wants for you. (laughs) I forgot that America and uh, National Basketball Association are different. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But we're going to throw it back to the end of the ABA, all the way in 1976, the ABA-NBA merger, and one of the most lopsided and consequential trades in all of NBA history. Mm. This is a warning to any and all Nets fans, all five of you out there. (laughs) You may want to cover your ears. Or, yeah, or just watch Kevin Durant highlights while you listen to how former Nets owner and executive Roy Bowe bungled managing your team. Uh, Roy Bowe is his real uh-oh. name. Wait, what was that again? Oh, wow. Type one. Roy Bowe. Mm. Roy, oh. Roy Bowe Biv. That does it for me. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything does it for you. <laughs> You're a Raiders fan. <laughs> <laughs> mediocrity that's what does it for me mm, middle of the round draft pick so the casual sports fan may be unaware that there have been a number of professional basketball leagues in the united states outside of the nba the most prominent being the aba you could also say at one point the aba came close to rivaling the nba but that's a relative term when you compare them to the other leagues um in 1976, the NBA would eventually absorb and merge with the ABA, uh, taking on their four most successful teams, which are were the Denver Nuggets, mm-hmm. at the time New York Nets, mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs, and the Indiana Pacers. They would dissolve the other two teams. Yes, the ABA only had six teams. That's all you need and all you want. Yes. Well, you're very competitive. Six is enough. <laughs> Looking at you, small town football. The other two teams were the Kentucky Colonels and the Spirits of St. Louis. Mm. The rare oh, mascot before. The oh, that should have never changed. Uh, at least the Kentucky Colonels had a very lucrative career going for them uh, with fast food. Yeah, KFC was actually birthed out of the ABA. Not really. Well, maybe. We don't know that. And, and you have no proof, and you can never prove it in court, even if you try. <laughs> the internet does not exist. <laughs> Back in high school, they used to call me the spirit of St. Louis. Uh, no, they didn't. I'm just... 
<laughs> Any, anyways, those two teams, nah. the Colonels and the Spirits, they were the players on those teams uh, were drafted in what was called a dispersal draft, where all the other NBA teams got to kind of just pick them apart. Uh, notable stars such as Artis Gilmore and Moses Malone transitioned to the NBA in this manner. Uh, leading up to the 76 merger, the New York, uh, specifically Long Island. Strong Island. <laughs> you're, you're from, okay. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got to give him props. Like, yeah, but you're like so man. far west. <laughs> <laughs> the Long Island Nets were the cream of the crop of the ABA, winning two of the last three ABA championships behind the leadership of one Julius Irving, mm. the one and only Dr. J. Mm. Uh, just to give some context to the greatness of Dr. J at this point in time before his uh, NBA debut, he had three MVPs, three scoring titles, five All-Stars, two championships, and one dunk championship <laughs> in the ABA, which I think is oh the most impressive. A lot of leapers in the ABA. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. From the free throw line was iconic, even before, you know, Jordan copied it and stole it. Yeah, no, Jordan's a talentless hack. The Bulls are garbage. <laughs> Go Pistons. Chicago's a bad town. <laughs> Chicago kind of is a bad town. <laughs> a lot of crime. And you're hearing that from a resident of Oakland, so... <laughs> And a resident of Detroit. <laughs> well, I live out. We have Detroit and Oakland on the phone. And they're, they're All right, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but Dr. J was by far the best ABA player at the time of the merger and was meant to help the Nets immediately contend in the higher competition level of the NBA. At the time, Irving was headed into the fourth year of his seven-year contract, which was seven years $1.9 million. Jesus. A bargain, if there ever was. In 1976? Oh, my God. In, in 1976, which, even with accounting for inflation and everything, would only equal up to $11.5 in today's oh market. Oh, yeah. Only hey, $11 million. Yes, Obviously, Fred I, I, is worth more than Dr. J. Fred Van Vliet uh, is worth more than Dr. J, sir. Ow. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the heart of Toronto. Pick another garbage player like Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Thank you. God. Oh, Chandler Parsons got paid twice that much. Chandler Parsons contract. is garbage. But everyone knows that. We'll move on. We'll let it go. You none hear of that, us, Chandler? None of us are Mavericks. You, Austin will fight you. Just you just let us know. We'll find a parking lot. <laughs> I think we could win that. Dwayne Reed for tonight. Tonight. <laughs> But Nets owner and GM Roy Bowe promised to renegotiate Irving's contract to pay him an amount commensurate with his talent uh, and the contribution relative to the team and the rest of the NBA. However, and this will play an important part in the rest of the story, Bowe had allegedly offered similar promises in the past and had reneged all of them. Oh, boy. No. Roy Bo, the cheapskate, mm. which I don't, I, mean, I don't like Roy Bo. It's Long Island, Puffy Bob Nutting's hero. <laughs> Save it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I can't imagine paying my employee, you know, one point whatever million dollars. That's that seems far. Back in the seventies, far too much. Yeah, okay. I'm, we're we're in New York, you know, not LA. <laughs> <laughs> Rent's only like what twelve dollars, and something like that. You don't need he all. He gets five fifteen hour like the rest of us. You need half a ceiling. It's fine. <laughs> While qualifying to transition to the NBA was an improvement from dissolution, it was hardly a gift for the ABA teams that made it. 
The NBA imposed harsh restrictions and fees on the incoming ABA franchises that limited their initial power and influence of the league. Some examples would be they weren't allowed to vote on league decisions for like two to three years. Uh, they weren't allowed uh, to have draft picks uh, in, after their first season. They had to wait. Wow. What? Um, yeah, what? things like that. <laughs> no. It was, gar- it was pettiness. It was <laughs> pettiness get. through and through. That's what you get when you have your own league. Yeah, don't fail. Be yeah, a success yeah. and this won't happen to you. And we won't punish you. <laughs> yeah. But that's not all. Uh, including that, there was an expansion fee of $3.2 million, mm. which paid directly to the NBA by each uh, ABA team, yeah. which equals out to about $14.8 million in today's market or about so, three julius Irvings. <laughs> well not three julius Irvings. <laughs> it's like it's like one and a quarter julius Irvings. it's still more julius Irvings than you have julius Irvings. Yeah. and as you can imagine this fee was significant for all the aba teams because they're mostly small market mm-hmm. but weirdly enough it was m- the most significant for the cash-strapped Roy Bow of the New York Nets. You it's know, the biggest market. Yeah, because obviously Kentucky, Indiana, San Antonio, <laughs> Denver, they, they're flooded with cash. It's hard in New York. Yeah. You have to pay people. They break your thumbs. <laughs> Can't play basketball without thumbs. Matters were only made worse for Bo when shortly after the merger, the New York Knicks came into the scenario and filed a grievance against the Nets for encroachment on their territory. Wait, run that by me again? I'm sorry, what? New York Knicks Uh went to the NBA Uh and filed a grievance for the Nets being encroaching (laughs) on their territory. (laughs) Now, you might be thinking, what what are you talking about? They did not move. Nope. They're they're in the same Long Island Stadium they've been in for years. But now they're in the NBA, the Knicks have an issue. Can you? Can oh, you... this is a classic West Side Story situation. <laughs> it I is exactly West Side Story. A lot of oh. snapping. I know. Oh, there's some snapping. <laughs> Allegedly. Can you imagine if the Los Angeles Chargers came to the NFL next year and they were like, mm, these Los Angeles Rams, they're too close to us. We're going <laughs> to need them to get back into St. Louis. I mean, they're, they're encroaching. The Rams are basically trying to do that by kicking the Chargers out of their stadium that they agreed to pay for. <laughs> the Chargers yeah. don't belong in Los Angeles to begin with. Put them back send in them San back Diego. To <laughs> no, send them, send them to St. Louis. <laughs> Take the place of the Rams. They can become the spirits. <laughs> the spirit of St. Louis lives on. It's just one guy. He is the spirit of St. Louis. <laughs> Sitting alone the in the stadium. the spirit of St. Louis. But this was not the first battle of this nature between the Knicks and the Nets. So I'm going to have to provide some context to this uh, this battle they had. In 1966, 10 years before the merger, the Nets were originally founded as the New York Americans and had a deal in place to play at the 69th Regiment Armory in directly in Manhattan. Why did they ever change the name? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was uh, until three months before opening day when the Knicks quote-unquote pressured the venue to back out of the deal, mm-hmm. resulting in the then uh, Americans to move to Teaneck, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. When you say pressure, do you mean like it's unclear? Like but it's, it's unclear. I read a few uh, articles about it from back then. It right. they that's they only use the term pressured or convinced or persuaded. What do you think this is? <laughs> 1924. <laughs> oh, 1924, eh? Prohibition. 
I can't imagine being pressured from Manhattan to T-neck. Oh, yeah, they got bullied. These are the New York <laughs> yeah. Knickerbockers. They don't take anything lightly. <laughs> nor should they, you know, nor should they. But after moving around for a while, uh, they finally became the Nets, and they finally settled in Long Island, New York, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The Nets had already been playing in their stadium for about five seasons when the merger occurred and were intending to maintain their location when the transition to the NBA. So once again, they weren't planning on changing anything. It was literally just going from ABA to NBA. If only the 60s Knicks could see the Brooklyn Nets now. Oh, my God. Oh, I know, right? They, they shit the <laughs> Boy, Bo would find a way to bet. He'd, like, sell off like, yeah. everything. <laughs> He'd tear off the, out all the bleachers and chairs. Just oh, Madison off. Square Garden would be a desolate waste, man. You're like... He's like, he's like, I'm sorry, how much is Durant <laughs> Pay that man one million. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> Not a penny more. <laughs> so while the Knicks seemed content to allow the Nets to operate out of Long Island while they were in an ABA team, the existence of a second NBA team in relatively close proximity was viewed as a financial threat. Uh, again, the largest market in America. <laughs> yeah, no room for yeah. all these sports franchises. <laughs> Tell the Giants and the Jets to get they're in Jersey. It made sense. They didn't think anyone was going to buy a ticket to go all the way out to New Jersey. <laughs> all the way out to New Jersey. But now it's oof. Um, the NBA granted the Knicks citation and ordered the Nets to pay the Knicks a fee of $4.8 million. Oof. Three Julius. That's like four. <laughs> That's like four. That, that is kind of all. That that's close. It's closer. It's, that's it's right. like two. It's like a little over two Julius Irvings. It comes out to like twenty two point okay. two million dollars <laughs> in today's standing. So, all that said, it's a combined four point eight plus three point two eight million dollars they had to pay immediately. Oh my god! <laughs> or basically, they had to get oh, out of boy. town. Was the, was the deal? They should have. Right? You'd think it was pretty straightforward. But no, Roe is savvy. He's going to find his way out of this. So Roy opted to stay in Long Island. Mm -hmm. But the mountain of debt piling against him caused him to once again renege on his contract promise to Dr. J. This time around, however, Dr. J stood his ground and informed Bo that he would sit out the season unless he received the raise he had been promised, backing up his threat nice. by not showing up to the Nets training camp. Yeah. You gotta love it. Watch move because I just demanded a raise. It didn't didn't go that well. Yeah, well, you weren't. Did they say we had to pay eight million to the Brooklyn? Yeah, I I didn't have the leverage that that Doctor. I mean, it's the it's one of the original Le'Veon belts. It's not the original. There's a lot of nonsense in the (laughs) ABA. Oh, it was a lawless wasteland. Oh, sure. yeah, no. I mean, even NBA players would hop to the ABA to pressure their own owners <laughs> to pay them. They'll be like, hey, I'll just go to the ABA. <laughs> no, no, wait a second. Josh, Josh, did they, did they pressure you to move to Teaneck, New Jersey after you asked oh, for this raise? yes, actually, that was part great, of it. Okay, okay, great, great. Garbage can. It was basically exile. Yeah. <laughs> and I okay, never cool. went back to Cracker Barrel after that. Mm. Yeah. Man, they're mean there. <laughs> So now Roe found himself in quite the dilemma, his problems resulting from a combination of NBA abuse and his own poor management. Mm. He was essentially left with two options, get out of town or get rid of Julius Irving. Mm -hmm. Can we guess what he did? (laughs) 
they decided <laughs> to move to Montreal, Canada, mm. and be founded the Canadian Basketball Association, mm. which is now bigger than the NBA in both revenue and quality. You are close. Damn. He did nothing at all like that. <laughs> Bo first <laughs> attempted to sell Irving directly to the Knicks in exchange for wiping out the debt. That's not cool. <clears throat> the Knicks refused. Uh, oh. Bonus mismanagement move for our listeners <laughs> <laughs> because the addition of Dr. J to the core of Walt Frazier and Bob McAdoo could very well have resulted in at least one chip for New York, if not establish a short yeah. dynasty. Wait the, only, the, Knicks. the only reason I say short is because Walt Frazier was already on his last legs at this point. But still, they would have been absolutely filthy. They did, however, counter Bo by offering him $2.5 million and a handful of players for Irving. Roy Bo refused. (laughs) He's sticking to his weird old... An incredibly questionable decision, to be sure. You Uh, want me to make this team better? (laughs) Who do you think I am? (laughs) He's offering more money? (laughs) It's incredibly questionable. Especially when taken into context that Bo eventually shipped Irving to Philadelphia for just $3 million, <laughs> 0.5 more, My God. which was not even enough to oh. cover the encroachment fee levied against them by the Knicks. Nice. In addition to the Knicks and Sixers, three other teams also attempted to negotiate with a reportedly uncooperative Roy Bo. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a play, though. Oh. At this point, I think he's just hiding under his desk and like, Mail's flying in through the door, and he's like, no! <laughs> no, it, what, what happens That's is he gets bullied into a corner, and then the second more than one team says, I'll help you out of it, he's like, ooh, I have all the leverage. <laughs> Which, no, oh you God. definitively do not. He's still in Long Island. So, setting himself up for <laughs> failure through sowing distrust between himself and his players and shipping mm-hmm. Irving off without getting anything, you know... Meaningful? meaningful so that they could actually compete in the NBA. <laughs> uh, that would have been enough to label this whole situation as completely mismanaged, especially considering Julius Irving would go on to have a Hall of Fame career in Philadelphia, leading them to four finals appearances and one championship, mm-hmm. winning one MVP and 11 all-star appearances. <laughs> nope, doesn't sound like a good The Nets, in stark contrast, would go on to become perennial losers. Mm. Uh, minor consolation, <laughs> the Nets did meet Dr. J's Sixers twice in the playoffs, and they split one and one with them. Okay, they did okay. beat them once. They got okay. one season of revenge. They got one season of revenge, and after yeah. they beat them, they promptly lost in the second round. <laughs> But even with all of that, all of that nonsense, this deal gets infinitely worse. This is the salt in the wound about to come up here. As hard as it may be to believe, the New York Nets had a fairly devoted fan base at the time. (laughs) Unfortunately, that fan base existed almost exclusively due to the talents of Julius Irving. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's Dr. J and all the neighborhood kids. (laughs) A bunch of bums they found on the street. Eating else. a hoagie. Now, were they still wearing Converse in these days? Because oh, that is a we're, good we're deep in the Converse nice. days, yeah. Uh, oh. un- unfortunately, they all love doc- uh, Dr. J. And so you can imagine when Bo sold him to Philadelphia just before the season began. And I mean just before the season began. <laughs> like, he went there like, a couple days before. Oh, <laughs> uh, the fans did not oh, take boy. too kindly to it. 
many fans called on Commissioner Larry O'Brien, Larry O'Brien Trophy, shout out, to nice. void the deal. Mm -hmm. But he did not. <laughs> Do you think he had an NBA oh, ABA bias? I think he just might have. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Definitively. <laughs> Uh, several season ticket holders of the Nets successfully lodged a lawsuit against Roy Bow and Personally? the franchise. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and against and Roy Bow and the franchise mm -hmm. as a collective, but just the franchise. Um, and had their money returned to them for their season <laughs> tickets. Oh. You mean he's, he's losing, losing more money? More money. So now he not only oh, paid the NBA the and the Knicks mm -hmm. $8 million, mm -hmm. Take away the 2.5. Um, so we're three. down to 5.5. Yeah. Oh, three. Yeah, you're right. Take it down to five. So he paid $5 million. He's $5 million in the red right now. Mm -hmm. And does not have Dr. J mm -hmm. or any other players to replace him. But now all the money. So I'm sure his wife left him and uh, his kids were like, we're not coming back <laughs> to see you, dad. And he's just having a I have to time. imagine that That's any prenup he signed, he totally got washed on. Ooh, yeah. Based on any of this oh, information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... I don't know much about his personal life. And we're not here to talk about She that. probably left him for Dr. I J. Well, we, uh, you, of course you would. Yeah. You're Obviously. a fickle mistress. <laughs> but on top, so $5 million in the red, no Dr. J. And now he's losing all the money from season ticket holders, pretty much. Uh, the Nets were never going to contend without Dr. J. But to make matters worse, their remaining star player, Nate Archibald, injured his foot during the first season, Ooh. resulting in terrible performances and plummeting attendance even further. And with the attendance, plummeting ticket oh. sales. The Nets were so bad and their sales were so low that by the end of their inaugural season in the NBA, Roy Bow found himself so strapped for cash that he decided he needed to move the franchise out of New York and back to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the decision that he made it yes. to begin with he would still have Dr. J and almost $5 million extra in cash. Now, to be fair, there are arguments that could be made that Bo isn't completely at fault for the loss of Irving, considering it was never his desire to move Dr. J in the first place. But his management of the team led to distrust, which led to Irving, you know, forcing his hand. And additionally, his pettiness with the Knicks prevented him from receiving any acceptable return on the Hall of Famer. And ultimately, he was forced to make the decision that would have allowed him to keep Julius Irving anyway. Oh my gosh. Woof. Yeah, woof. big woof. That is the tale of Roy Bow oh, baby and the Bo. New York Nets. That's oh, pretty tragic. I mean, he gosh. did get drafted by the NBA. No, the yeah, NBA sure. is for <laughs> sure to blame. <laughs> They, I mean, to a degree. They bent him over hand. a barrel, and they <laughs> yeah. showed him 50 states. All 50 of them. And you might be asking yourself, did they have 50 states all the way back then? And yes, I do believe they had <laughs> all 50 states. Which, well, it just makes it longer. And terrible. But, uh, yeah, poor, that's poor the Roy. story. Where did go, Dr. J? Now, thank God he didn't stay there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no. Dr. J went on to become the yeah. face of Philadelphia, loved, cherished, converse, everything. We love oh, it. Oh, yeah. But now that you've heard one of the worst moves in NBA history, we feel fairly confident now and safe in presenting our own proposals for those GMs we believe need a little amateur help to make their professional decisions. So without further ado, Josh, if you'll kick us off with your dear GM. Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, this 
Dear GM goes out to Houston Rockets GM Raphael Stone. <clears throat> Dear Mr. Stone, you're in a pickle. James Harden wants to leave, but no one is willing to give you what you think he's worth. Philly won't give you Embiid or Simmons. Brooklyn won't give you Durant or Irving. What do you do with a problem like James Harden? My solution? The Golden State Warriors. Now hear me out. Clay Thompson is out with an Achilles injury for the rest of the season. They need a second scoring option to take the pressure off of Steph, and Harden is the ideal solution. I'm proposing the Golden State Warriors send former Rookie of the Year winner Andrew Wiggins and up-and-coming Kelly Oubre Jr. with a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick for James Harden. Mr. Stone, let's face it, your organization should accept the fact that it's time to rebuild. Mike D'Antoni is gone. Daryl Morey is gone. It's time for a changing of the guard, and it's time for Harden to make his championship push. Harden, Thompson, Curry, and Green are all getting into their 30s. It's time for Harden to make like Durant and create another super team in Golden State. And if I'm being honest, you could probably ask for even more from the Golden State Warriors, and they would trade for it for a chance to contend. Humbly yours, Josh Sweezy. Wow, that was beautiful. Mm. That was was beautiful. And I I like the spirit of it. I think Kelly Mm. Oubre is interesting. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. before the season I was down. And now that I've seen that he can't hit a jumper, I'm I'm a little concerned. I might ask for James Wiseman instead. Mm. But, you know, I think it's something you could tweak. There's always time to learn. You can fix it in post. (laughs) Uh, What do you have for us, Westover? Well, originally... uh, I was going to make a plea to John Horst of the Bucks, uh, but he's made his bed and locked down Giannis, and we'll see if uh, he can build a contender out oh, of that. And what a terrible bed to get in with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, it must no be room. hard. <laughs> no room. Either financially or physically. <laughs> he just takes up the whole court. <laughs> <All things. laughs> Shoot so the now, three, guy. <laughs> he's working on it. He'll get there, maybe. No. That's what Middleton's for. Yeah, but we turn true. to Andy Ellisberg. In Miami. You've made it to the finals last year. Yeah. Injuries kind of shot you in the foot with Drogic and Bam not being able to play nearly to what they were doing. And you can't expect just a repeat on the back of Jimmy Butler because already two games in, he hurt his foot. Jimmy Buckets. Tyler Hero's showing all the potential. You're starting him now. It's great. Duncan Robinson can shoot from pretty much anywhere in Miami. (laughs) Bam just needs a buddy. Down under the basket, who can help him rebound, but also somebody who can take a step outside, hit some mid-range shots, or mm-hmm. threes in the corner. Mid-range. Shooting Underrated. big men are all the rave right now, and they're becoming more and more expensive, and the Heat are in cap hell. Mm. They've got bloated contracts they should get rid of. Where do you find a big man who can grab boards and also hit shots? Greg Popovich has your guy in LaMarcus Aldridge. He's expanding his range the last several seasons because they aren't really in a position to make a run in the West anytime right now. And Pop's just like, let's see what you've got left in you. So you have a lineup of Drogic with either Hero or Robinson. So right now, really just Hero at the one, Robinson at the two, Butler if healthy at the three, with Bam and Aldridge at power forward and center. You can kind of intermix switch them around, but I'd probably put Aldridge at the four. They can shoot, rebound, sure. They're a little older. And Aldrich is mildly expensive, but this team is a win now with some young people in there and just don't burn it all down with future picks and bloated contracts to balance it out. Miami just gets Aldrich flat out. 
San Antonio gets Iguodala, veteran leadership, which Pop would die for. Kelly Olenek is not a bad center. I don't like him personally. He's a good bench center. It's the good <laughs> that does it for me. And then you just get a 2021 first and a 22 second. Teams remain nearly the same cap-wise, and Pop can get a few more picks to rebuild while getting some veterans he can work with and still be semi-productive in the West because he doesn't want to tank. The Heat's window is now. Take your shot. And you've got a rookie power forward in uh, Precious, who's played well in the, in the couple games I watched this season, to learn under Bam and Aldridge. Hmm. But I, I like the idea of Aldridge going to Miami. You know, it's just you have to convince San Antonio to – literally just burn it all down, which might involve you having Miami giving up more in the pick department since Iguodala and Olenek, they're not getting any return on. But, I mean, I'm of the idea that San Antonio should burn it down. They should ship out DeRozan as well and just make like a Oklahoma City. Just Mm. collect. Every pick for the next decade. Build around DeJounte Murray. Mm. All right, Andy, uh, you got a move for us. All right, dope, dope. Let's get into it. Okay. <clears throat> so at first I was going to double down on Sweezy's and make this trade targeting Golden State. How but after some careful consideration, I decided there was an even better fit for this player. So dear Mr. Tim Connolly, GM of Denver's Nuggets. Regal. I think you guys are great. I'm a big Jamal and Jokic fan. I think they've been working really well together and have developed a lot of chemistry real quick. And that's exactly what you want. Your two superstars to be communicating effectively and efficiently, complement each other's games and be unselfish. And building off the two of them, I think you guys could go really far. But let's be honest, the bubble was a bit generous to the Nugs, and nothing made any sense in there. So we can see that you guys can definitely compete, and you have the talent to possibly back up an argument that the bubble wasn't entirely a fluke. But with that being said, I still don't really think you stand much of a chance against better Western teams. Shout out all of L.A. Even though you could technically take out Kawhi and embarrass uh, the Clippers again. Uh, But anyway... I think if you really want to push the Nuggets to stardom and make a legitimate contender for a championship, you're going to need a younger rising superstar who can hold his own while also lightening the load for Murray and Joker. And I believe that player for you guys is Mr. Young Hollywood, Zach Levine. He's a consistent threat who averages 23 plus points a game and can utilize the perimeter as well as put points in the paint. Who I propose you trade are Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris. Uh, Porter Jr. wants more minutes, and that's completely evident by his behavior in the bubble. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, and, and Gary Harris has just not been delivering at all since receiving his ridiculous contract. He's losing you money in games at this point. Against the Clippers, in fact, your $19 million a year shooting guard only scored one point. Get rid of him. Michael Porter – and I, I, okay, so at this point, Michael Porter is the only way that this trade gets, gets done at all. Um, and you just kind of have to have this sell that the Bulls will continue with their building years off the backs of young talent that they can raise up for a contending team, uh, you know, raise up a contending team around so my final proposal is that Denver receives Zach Levine and Chi-Town receives Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and a first-round pick in 2021. The Nugs can free up some cap space and be a playoff contender that no one will question, lighten the load for Murray and Jokic, and allow the Bulls to get a head start on rebuilding with two younger players and have two first-rounders going into the 2021 draft for some fresh upcoming talent. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I <clears throat> 
I'm not sure how I feel. I I I don't know okay. if I'm the Nuggets if I if I let go of Michael Porter Jr. He he's starting off strong, okay. mm-hmm. um, and he's right. starting to get some minutes. But he's also got that bad back. He's also got that bad back, and like you said, he is willing yeah. to voice his opinions about his playing time. Mm-hmm. I really like shipping yeah. out Gary Harris, but you know the, yeah. the <laughs> get rid of Gary Harris. Yeah. Right? I'm not yeah. one to take money out of another man's pockets, but come on, uh, get it out of your whole teams. Uh, but, you know, the p- plus side is if Michael Porter Jr. continues to play as well as he's playing, you might not have to add a first-round pick to this trade. Mm-hmm. You could probably just do it straight up if Michael Porter Jr. That is true. Value. So, yeah, I mean, that's that something to consider. I mean, I, I like I like the deal. We'll see yeah. how it all plays out throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, for my move, I'm going to address uh, freshly anointed Philadelphia 76ers executive Daryl Morey. Mm. First off. I just want to say that you have to be careful about the effects of sustained media speculation about moves your team should make. Um, you know, sometimes media will just start fires and it, there's not anything to down the whole building. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to just ignore it. However, despite all the manufactured storylines, sometimes there is wisdom to it. For the past two seasons, your organization has been inundated with trade rumors or postulations surrounding Embiid and Simmons. And defensively, it's because the two stars seem to limit each other's potential. Uh, Simmons is a slasher without any outside threat, which (laughs) forces Embiid to stay outside and shoot shots that he can hit, but that's not his bread and butter. He's amazing with his back to the basket doing post moves, and that's where he should be. Uh, And so if you let him stay down there, then you're limiting Simmons. If you force Embiid outside, you're limiting him. So the two together... Sure, you can wait to see if Doc Rivers does anything with it, but I have never thought it's a coaching issue. I think it's just a just a player issue. With that said, my advice for you would be to take a page out of Masai uh, Ujiri's book and recognize you need to win now. The best chance for this team, as it is, to win was in 2019. Uh, but that's when Toronto rented Kawhi and thwarted that hope on... An improbable oh, buzzer beater. Still the most insane shot I've ever Oh, it's seen. iconic. I'm going to frame <laughs> it and ship it to you. <laughs> now, the East is stronger and better equipped to beat you than they were then. Uh, some of those teams are younger as well, and there's no guarantee of Embiid's long-term health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like you can just wait for Kyrie and Kevin Durant to fizzle out because the Celtics are better than you, and they are younger and healthier. <laughs> You need to shake things up and you need a star of the team that provides veteran leadership, which is the key thing you've been missing. You have veteran leadership, but not from any of your stars. It's all a bunch of scrubs. (laughs) You need a familiar face and you need the following (laughs) trade. Philadelphia, you would receive Chris Paul and a bevy of picks. It would have to be a couple swaps, a couple firsts and a couple swaps because Phoenix is a little hamstringed in terms of what firsts are available for them to deal. Um, but you could get that. Phoenix would get Ben Simmons and then add Terrence Ferguson to make the cap work out. Now, I know Phoenix just signed Chris Paul, and they're off to an incredibly hot start, and they had an incredible start in the bubble too, and they look like they're an up-and-coming team. But even with all of that, they are honestly just a high-end spoiler in the West. And even if they were somehow able to navigate the West and make it to the East, they would have a tough out against a Brooklyn or even a Boston. 
With Simmons, they could build around a youthful big three and contend within two seasons. You get a superstar point guard that you and your coach are familiar with and can spread the floor, allowing Embiid to put his back to the basket and realize his full potential. A move that helps match up against the Lakers and provide matchup problems for Brooklyn. Uh, I think that's the move. <clears throat> I like this. I like this because I think that I think that Simmons – uh, and Booker can can do well. Like I think that I think Simmons being a slasher allows like more movement for Booker. Which like watching the Suns now, it's it's just like it's madness because like everyone can maybe like move or shoot from anywhere. There doesn't seem to be like a lot of yeah, order. And I, I think, think Simmons like and Booker that. take on that Clay Thompson role. It could be something special down there. But yeah, yeah that's the pod. Uh, and that's that's a wrap on it. In the words of Orlando Magic executive Pat Williams, quote, we can't win at home. We can't win on the road. As general manager, I just can't figure out where else to play. Thanks for listening. And remember, this was mismanaged. Has he thought about going to New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs>